Charged Up Episode 75. Earn more, owe less with America's Money Answers Man. Are you ready to get charged up about your money, your credit, and your overall financial health? You've come to the right place. You're listening to Charged Up with Jenny Hoff. Welcome to Charged Up. I'm your host, Jenny Hoff, and a managing editor at creditcards.com, where we have a wealth of information on controlling credit card debt, maximizing your rewards, and making your purchases work for you. And we have a lot of purchases in our lives, from our houses to our cars to our education. They're often our biggest expenses. And with virtually no interest coming in from the bank for our savings, they're hard to pay off faster than we're doing right now. Enter America's Money Answers man, Jordan Goodman, a veteran financial journalist for Money Magazine and author of Master Your Debt. Goodman believes in giving solutions you may not have thought of before. Now, most of us have heard the advice to save six months salary in case of an emergency, pay off your smallest credit card bills first to build momentum. Don't buy a house you can't afford. But Goodman's advice is a little different. How about paying off your mortgage in five years instead of 30 or making 8% off your savings instead of 0.8, which you're getting in the bank? He says he's vetted these methods and he knows they work. So let's change the way we think about traditional loans and interest and get some answers from America's Money Answers Man. Hi, Jordan. It's really a pleasure to talk with you today. Great to be with you, Jenny. So let's start with your background. You're America's Money Answers Man. How did you fall into that role or take on that role? What motivated you to get into this field? And and give us a little bit about your background in finance. Sure. So I've been a financial journalist for almost 40 years. I was at Money Magazine for 18 years. That's where I really got the passion for helping people with all their financial decisions. Undergraduate, I went to school at Amherst College and London School of Economics. Went to Columbia School of Journalism for my master's where I specialized in economic and business journalism. That was kind of the beginning of it all. Mm -hmm. But it was really at Money Magazine where I developed this whole interest in how to help people in all aspects of their money, investing, debt, insurance, just this whole area. I've had a long, long time and started my website, moneyanswers.com in 1993. That's how far back this goes. And I've been improving it ever since and doing videos and links and call-in radio shows and 13 books. So I just love helping people with their personal financial decisions. I find that there's a lot of resources they don't know about that if they do, will make a big difference in their lives. And hopefully some of those things we'll get to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I like. It's not really just general advice. And there's a lot of great general advice out there that people just having that knowledge, it can change their lives. But I like how you include in your book and in your tips, really direct phone numbers even that people can call. Like they don't have to do the work. Here's the phone number. Here's a website that you can go to. Here's a company that can offer you that product or whatever that assistance. And I think that is really helpful in not only the first step of learning, but the second step of here's exactly what you need to do. Um, I'm all about implementation. You're right. I love <laughs> you can that. have an idea, but if you don't implement it, it's not going to do you much good. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So your book, Master Your Debt, has a lot of great advice regarding all types of debt. But we're going to talk about some topics that we actually haven't ever covered before in this show. Resources great. people may not know about to get their mortgage paid off faster, make money off of their savings if it's not making money in the bank, all of those kinds of things. So let's start, though, with making more money off your savings, because it's really a time where you you can be very good, very responsible. You're saving up your money. You have it in the bank and you're getting almost nothing for it. If you're lucky, 1%, if you're going with like an online bank or something, but generally you're getting almost nothing for it. You say there is a better way to make Correct. money off of your savings in secured real estate funds. Can you talk about that a little bit? 
So that's right. So this is what I call the saver's dilemma. You keep it in the bank, CDs, money market funds, savings accounts, you're going to get pretty much zero. Mm -hmm. It's going to stay that way as far as the eye can see, Jenny, because mm -hmm. even though the Federal Reserve's been raising rates on what banks charge, they don't control what banks pay, mm -hmm. and therefore the banks can get away with it, and they'll continue to get away with it as long as they can. Uh, so don't assume you're going to get anything in the, the bank for any, any significant thing over 1%. And then meanwhile, if you go to traditional ways of earning yields, bonds, real estate investment trusts, mass limited partnerships, utilities, as interest rates have been rising, and I think will continue to, you are going to lose a lot more in principle hmm. than you're earning an interest on those. So that's not a particularly good solution either. So mm -hmm. yes, the solution to what I call the savers dilemma are secured real estate funds, because that's a way of earning an 8% yield over a one-year time frame where the net asset value does not change. It stays at $10 a share, doesn't go up, doesn't go down. So as interest rates keep rising, you're not losing the value of your principal uh, that way. There's a website related to it, securedrealestatefunds.com. And what they're doing is they're lending money short term over a year or so to high quality commercial real estate projects all over the country, like mm -hmm. 30 different ones at any particular time. So it's geographically diversified and they'll do like apartment buildings, medical offices, assisted living, student housing, parking lots, just all kinds of different things that have a hard time getting financing from the banks that are so difficult uh, these days. So you're kind of filling a niche these ways. Now this is what's called, the SEC calls it a regulation A plus fund, mm -hmm. which commonly would be known as a crowdfunding fund. Okay. These have only been around for about two years because the Congress in 2012 passed what's called the Jobs Act of 2012, which authorized crowdfunding funds. The SEC took a while to figure it out, started approving these things in 2016, and this was one of the first ones out there. Minimum $5,000, no commissions, minimum hold time one year. You can get monthly checks if you like, or you can reinvest it and have it compound. So there's a way right there, Jenny, that people can get 8% without market volatility as opposed to zero in the bank or 3% with lots of market volatility in bonds and bond surrogates. So how do we know that there's no market volatility with this? What if there was another real estate crash? And somehow, is this does this protect you against that? Well, it doesn't protect you completely. I mean, there is risk in real estate. You can't mm -hmm. say it's, it's, I would never use the word guaranteed or anything right. like that, but they mitigate the risks in various ways. I mean, we talked about the diversification. Right. They tend to lend in growing areas to builder developers who've got a long-term track record of doing these things. They don't give them the money all up front. They give it to them in stages. Mm -hmm. So dig the foundation, we'll inspect it. Okay, it's, you did it right. Now we'll give you the next 10%. And the maximum that they lend is 70% of the value of the property. So the builder always has at least 30%, if not more, skin in the game mm -hmm. to make sure the project gets done. And also the projects make economic sense Typically, they're adding value to an existing piece of real estate. So again, the builder has every reason to want to get this thing done. I'll give you an example, Jenny, of one they did recently. Guy had a big house in Boulder, Colorado. He'd been renting out to two students forever. He got a loan from the fund, rejiggered the house. A year later, he had four apartments instead of two in the same building. Mm -hmm. So the income of the building was up 100%, actually. So he has every reason to get that project done because he knows once it's done, his income is going to be much higher. So that's a way of mitigating the risks. But if we had a complete total disaster, yes, there's some downside to these kind of things. And can you choose which projects you want to invest in or is it just all together? It's bundled all together. And that's the good thing is that okay. you don't have to be a real estate expert yourself. Management that's been doing this for 30 years, they manage the whole thing. It's completely passive income from your point of view. All you have to do to get the 8% is wake up in the morning breathing and you're done. 
Okay. And so basically if I put $10,000 into this, I would get a check for $800 at the well, end of you're the year? getting paid monthly. Okay. Getting paid monthly. So okay. you get about $66 a month. Okay. Um, but, and if you reinvest it, you're going to have some compounding. And in addition to the interest checks, which is from the mortgage interest, they have a profit sharing element as well. So when they lend to a particular builder who sells the property at a profit, he shares some of that profit with the fund and the shareholders actually get 80% of that profit. So for example, for 2017, the actual return of the fund was 8.7%, 8% from interest, 0.7% from profit sharing. So you actually get a little bit extra as a participation in the growth of the fund. Now, we are kind of in one of those boom times, though. Is this one of those things that it sounds really good right now because the economy is booming, and as soon as the real estate market or just the market in general takes a big dip, which it will, that we're going to regret that? Or do you feel like it's actually more secure than having your money necessarily sitting in an index fund or sitting in the bank? If you're comparing this to stocks, this is much more stable than that. Okay. Even the people who ran this fund have done it even through the 2008-2009 crash and hardly lost anything. Commercial real estate tends not to go down as much okay. as residential real estate, and certainly the stock market. If we if we have a big downer, the stock market will go down first. This is going to be much more stable than that. Not guaranteed, but much more stable. And again, they've been doing this for a long time. The net asset value is designed to stay at $10 a share. And you don't need to know anything about real estate if you want to get into this. Correct. Just okay. understand the idea. There's actually a little video that explains the whole thing at that securedrealestate.funds.com. So no, that's it's completely passive from your point of view. So for a lot of people who have money, as you said, they've been saving it, it's sitting in the savings account earning zero. This is a much better alternative to earn 8% instead of zero without having to be an expert in real estate at all. Great. And it's taking your money that isn't your emergency fund. So for people listening to this, if you've got, okay, I've got six months saved up in case, you know, I lose my job or something, that's not the money that you would take out and put into this necessarily. It's if you have well above that and it's just, you know, you've got a big chunk sitting in the bank. You don't really know what to do with it. You're not an expert investor. You're not really into buying houses for yourself and renting them out. This is one option that's relatively secure. It's a proven concept. It's been around for several years and it's very easy to manage. Correct. The minimum hold time is one year. So okay. you're exactly right. If you need it to be liquid for less than a year, this is not appropriate for you. So what a lot of people do is IRA money or they have 401k rollovers. You can do what's called a self-directed IRA, put the money in there. And now it's compounding tax-free in a Roth IRA, tax-deferred in a traditional IRA. And you don't need the money for 10 or 20 years, and you have it compounding that way. That's an ideal use of this. So that would be instead of having that money directed to an index fund or directed to stocks and bonds, you would have a portion of that money instead directed to this? The way I look at it, it's an alternative to bonds and cash. Okay. Stocks do what stocks are going to do. Right. In the long run, they do really well, but obviously they're volatile moment to moment. Bonds, you're going to get maybe 3% with volatility. And cash, as we said, you're going to get zero. Mm -hmm. So to me, if you have a balanced portfolio, do whatever you're going to do with stocks, which is fine. But this is the kind of bond and cash portion of the portfolio, at least for some of your money. All right. Perfect. Great information. And great. I had not actually looked into those, so I will definitely be looking into that as well. Great. Another tip that you have is about paying off your 30-year mortgage in five to seven years. Now, I'll be honest, Jordan, I see a lot of these advertisements come up on Facebook or coming up on just different websites I go to talking about this and talking about paying off your mortgage really fast using a home equity line of credit. And I've always been skeptical. It seems like too good to be true. You know, one of these things that, uh-oh, yeah. is this smelling of 2006 again, 2006? 
2007 leading up to a big bust. But you say that this is actually a pretty good way to pay off your mortgage much faster and save a bunch of money on interest. And you'll never hear about this from the bank, Jenny. Okay, <laughs> The bank likes the current system, which works really well for them, which is you give them your money sitting in a checking account, earning zero, as we just discussed. And then you get a 30-year mortgage. You make the same payment for 30 years. All the interest on a mortgage is front-end loaded. The first 10 mm -hmm. to 15 years, you're paying very, very little principal and mostly the interest. And then if you refinance, you start a new 30-year yeah. clock all over again and throw away tens of thousands of dollars in interest you paid on the first uh, mortgage. So don't expect to hear about mortgage optimization from the bank. But yes, if you do it right, it can work. Now, there are three things you need to make mortgage optimization work. The first thing, got to have equity in your house. If you're underwater in your house, there's nothing to borrow against, so that's not going to work. The second thing, you got to have a decent credit score, 680 or higher, mm -hmm. to be able to qualify for that home equity line of credit, that HELOC. And the third thing you need is positive cash flow, more money coming in than going out during the month, because that positive cash flow is what's pushing the principal down on a regular basis. There is a free website. You can actually model it for yourself which is called truthinequity.com. Okay. And you, they have what's called a personal profile. You put in your income, your expenses, your mortgage, your house value, all those things that are gonna say, okay, what you're doing today, it's gonna take you 28 and a half years to pay off your mortgage. With the numbers you just gave us, it'll be six and a half years, whatever it comes out to be. And step by step, they show you how to do it. Basically, you're keeping your money, which is normally sitting in the checking account, in that HELOC, which is a liquid line, Mm -hmm. pushing the principal down every day. HELOCs are based on what's called average daily balance. How much do you owe today? You have a $50,000 HELOC, you put $1,000 in from your paycheck, you now owe 49,000 instead of 50. So you're paying interest on less principal. Mm -hmm. And just keep doing that, you pay your bills out of the HELOC, and you're making progress every day on that principal instead of making almost no progress for many, many years. That's a much shortened version of it. Uh, the book I sent you, the Master yeah. Debt, I actually have a whole chapter on this thing with actual tables to show you how it actually works. And what about the interest? Because it does say in the book that it's a variable interest, which again is one Correct. of those things that makes you very jittery, the idea of a variable interest. And we have no idea what's going to happen with interest rates. Is that something that is very worrisome or you no. say that it's not? So you're right. Home equity lines of credit are based on the prime rate, which goes up and down. Lately, it's been going up. And so conceivably, rates could go up and it would cost you a little bit more in interest. But what people don't remember is you're paying the principal off so much faster that even if the interest rate is somewhat higher, it's interest on a far smaller amount of principal, mm -hmm. right? So if the principal is going down real fast, the interest rate could go up dramatically. You'd still be ahead of the game, mm -hmm. you see? In fact, at that truth and equity, one of the things that they do is they actually do a total impossible worst case scenario. Today, the prime rate is maybe 4.75. Yeah. And they say, okay, this is the numbers today. Let's bring the prime rate today from four and three quarters to 10% instantly, mm -hmm. which is never going to happen, but just in case. And they say, oh, instead of paying it off in 6.2 years, you'll pay it off in 6.7 years, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. Because the key thing in a mortgage is how fast do you pay off your principal? Nobody ever thinks of it that way. Right. They say, what's my payment and what's my rate? But the real question is paying off your principal, which allows you to do it so much faster because the money you have is working for you every day, pushing that principal down instead of sitting in the bank, earning nothing and working for the bank. Now, what if instead you basically just take the mortgage you have right now and you double pay the principal every month or you triple pay the principal every month and pay it down faster that way? Is that an alternative or is that not as efficient? N not even close to as good. Okay. See, when you say you do a double payments, mm -hmm. you're giving money into the mortgage, but you can't get it out. 
it's it's not a two-way mousetrap, as I put it. You can't write a check on your mortgage, right? Mm -hmm. So if you give them extra payments, it'll cut your your payoff instead of 30 years, maybe be 27 years or mm -hmm. something like that. So it helps you 27 years from now, <laughs> mm -hmm. as opposed to right now, this is helping you every day. It hurts your liquidity, it hurts your cash flow. If you're taking extra double payments and you can't get your money back out, it's costing you more money now and not helping you that much. I'd much rather pay my mortgage off in five to seven years instead of 27 years. Think of the amount of interest you're gonna save. Think of a young couple who's 30, mm -hmm. who has their mortgage paid off at 35 instead of 60. I mean, what a difference in their life that's gonna make. And so who would this be ideal for? Is it somebody who plans to stay in their house for a long time? What if you're planning to maybe sell your house in the next couple of years? Is this not, not necessarily. a good idea? Okay. The, fa the faster you gain equity in that home, the faster you pay the mortgage off, when you sell your home in two or three years, you'll get to keep more of the proceeds. You'll have less yeah. of a mortgage to pay off. Okay. So you don't, I mean, if you stay in your home a long time, fine, your mortgage is paid off in five years. But if you're going to move sooner, you're in better position to keep more of the proceeds when you sell the house. And what are the potential risks involved with something like this versus a regular mortgage? It takes some discipline mm -hmm. and you have to kind of pay attention. So you have to kind of be interested in paying attention to, to the details of moving your money around. And when you're gaining more and more equity in your house, it can be a temptation God, we've got all this equity. This is great. Let's go on a Caribbean cruise or something, you know, to waste the money. Mm -hmm. So that's a potential temptation. But I find most of the people that actually implement mortgage optimization are disciplined. They do want to watch these things carefully and they get the benefit from it. Okay. And you say that that could basically take a 30-year mortgage down to a five to seven-year mortgage. Depends on the numbers. The faster your cash flow is, the more positive cash flow you have, the faster it's going to get paid down. That's correct. And so you but are paying more out every month into your mortgage. It's just doing a lot more work. Uh, you're not actually paying more. You're actually paying less because remember, every day you're making progress on the principal. So as you owe less principal, you owe less interest. So mm -hmm. you're, the payment on the HELOC is actually going down every month until it goes to zero. And then on your first, you're actually making faster progress as well. You kind of take a bulk amount from the HELOC towards your first, so I'll just give you a simple example. Say the house was worth 300000 and you owe 200000 in your first, and you've mm -hmm. got a $50,000 HELOC. You'd write a $50,000 check on the HELOC to your first, so you now owe 150 instead of 200 The same mortgage payment you're making on that first is now paying off more principal because you owe 150 instead of 200 So mm -hmm. you're actually making progress faster on the first and the HELOC at the same time. Okay. And you explain it all in the book because it's it's confusing if you're not familiar with this concept. I know. It's and a stuff. new idea. Yeah. So it's definitely something worth reading and looking over and seeing if you have the right personality type for that. And as you said, it takes a lot of management of making sure your money is moving in the right places and you're keeping track of your bills and you're making sure you have positive cash flow at all times and that kind of stuff. So I think that if people do want to do this, make sure you take an honest look at yourself that you right. can be responsible with this. If you're more of a just set it and have it automatically deducted for my account every month, I never want to have to think about it, then, you know, it might not be the best idea. So I, I would agree with you. I okay. would agree with you. But, but look at the payoff of paying yeah. a little bit more attention. You're going to save literally tens of thousands of dollars in needless interest. So yeah. to me, it's worth it to pay a little bit of attention to have a huge payoff. That's amazing and great advice. Definitely something worth looking into. Another tip that you offer is verifying your loan payments. And this is yes. very interesting. You say that many of us are paying too much for different loans that we have. Correct. And they don't even know that they're paying too much. That's correct. So mortgages, for example, say you have an adjust rate mortgage. It adjusts up and down based on the prime rate, 
on the spread over the prime. There's all kinds of things that can go wrong. And ba banks often sell one mortgage from one company to another, and the records get lost, and all kinds of things are wrong there. There's a place that can actually help you see if your mortgage is correct, which is called verifymymortgage.com. That's the first one. The second one is escrow. When you have your payments escrowed, meaning that pulling aside money for property taxes and property insurance, mm -hmm. and in many cases they're overestimating what the taxes are going to be and what the insurance is going to be, so they're taking out more than they really should. This kind of allows you to audit, maybe is a good word, your escrow. The website for that, verifymyescrow.com. And then another one's PMI, private mortgage insurance. Mm -hmm. In theory, if you get up to 20% equity in your house, you shouldn't be paying private mortgage insurance, PMI, anymore. Mm -hmm. The banks don't look at that very carefully. People are paying PMI when they're at 21, 25, and just can kind of go on and on and on. Now, you're, uh, you can get to 20% equity in several ways, by paying down the mortgage, or say the value of your house has gone up, either just because of house prices going up in your area, or you've improved it. Mm -hmm. if you say you've added a lot of improvements to the house, your equity may be higher than you think, and you can get rid of that PMI, which can literally be hundreds of dollars a month, I like to say, I like to pay for insurance that covers me. Right. This is insurance that doesn't cover you. It covers the lender. Right. <laughs> so I hate paying that kind of thing. So the website for that is verifymypmi.com. In 30, 40% of the cases, PMI is, uh, can be eliminated. Their mortgage payment is wrong, and they're paying too much on their escrow. Wow. Wow, definitely something worth looking into. And then those sites, I assume they charge money in order to do the audit? They do. Uh, it's a peace of mind kind of thing, Yeah. right? And Just, if you're, it's wrong, which in 30 or 40% of the cases it is, they'll actually write a detailed letter and say, here's what the mortgage payment should be. And here's how many thousands of dollars you've overpaid to that lender over the last several years. And you get a refund on that. So it can pay for itself many absolutely. times over. Absolutely. All right. You also recommend refinancing your car to get lower payments. Now, is this just stretching out how many months you'll be paying off your car and you'll ultimately be paying more interest? Um, or is it there's there's some other trick I'm not seeing there? And who would be a good candidate for this? There are other ways of doing it. So a lot of people got into some pretty fancy cars the last few years mm -hmm. and took on bigger payments than they can really afford. So instead of losing your car to the repo man at three in the morning, right, which is not a good experience and ruins your credit while you're at it, you can change the maturity and interest rate on your car loan to a more affordable level and therefore hold on to your car. Mm -hmm. There's a free website that'll help you do that, which is myloangen.com, G-E-N, myloangen.com. You go in, you put in, it takes you about three minutes or so, you put in your current car payment, how many more months you have to go, the interest rate, how much you owe, and then it gives you a little dial, kind of like a speed dial, and you move the dial to where you want. If you change the maturity, make it longer, you're going to bring the payment down to make it more affordable. Mm -hmm. Say you have a car today that you've got a, a $500 a month payment for the next three years, and that's becoming too much for you. If you move that out to, say, six years, your payment may go down to 250 And yes, you will pay more interest in the long run. But you're not going to get your car lost to the repo man as right. well. So it, you you choose the level, interest rate, and the payment you want. And then when you have something you like, you hit submit, and it goes to a bunch of credit unions around the country who compete for your business to give you the best loan for that amount. So it's just a way of people getting back control of their car loans, which in many cases are much more than they can afford. All right. So this is for people who cannot afford their car loans anymore, essentially, and they're right. either going to get it repossessed or they're going to have to sell it and figure something out. Okay. Well, in so. many cases, they're underwater. If you right. sell a car, 
the value of the car yeah. goes down a lot faster than loan is paid off, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. A lot of cars are underwater without having driven off a bridge somewhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's a, a big, you can't sell your car because you're going to have to come up with additional cash out of your pocket to to pay it off, in effect. So that's usually not a good solution. People tend to like the cars they bought, but they're costing them too much. So it gives them an option uh, to pay it back. Again, the website for that, myloangen.com. All right, great. Okay, so we've talked a lot about insurance policies. We were just talking about PMI. And a lot of my experts in the show definitely recommend insuring yourself, especially for emergency situations. Life insurance is a big recommendation, especially if you have children or dependents who need your income. And if something horrible should happen, they would be in big trouble if there was nothing coming in to help cover the costs. Now, You say in your book, though, that isn't a lifetime need necessarily, that at some point you may not need that life insurance anymore that you've been paying for every month. And instead of just kind of letting it go away by stop paying it, you can actually make tens of thousands of dollars off of it? Correct. Correct. This is what's called the life settlement market. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Most people, when they get to a certain age, uh, they just let the policy lapse. They stop paying the premiums. And uh, it just goes away. And the insurance company is real happy because they've been getting money from you for many, many years and they've never had to make out a payment of any kind. Instead, you can sell your life insurance policy to somebody who will then collect the death benefit and they pay the premiums and you get a whole bunch of cash. Say you had a million dollar policy Mm -hmm. and say you were 70 years old, something like that. Say you had some kind of a heart condition or some kind of a health problem. Somebody might pay you like $400,000 in cash right now for Mm. that. And then when you die, they get the million dollars and they keep take over the premiums as opposed to letting it lapse and getting nothing from it. Now, tell your kids about this mm-hmm. because they're not going to get the death benefit. <laughs> but usually the kids are fine about it. You know, parents should get the money out of it, use it to pay off their mortgage, pay off debts, invest for themselves. So in many cases, it can work out really well. You have to be older, I would say 70 plus, actually. Right. So this may be more for the parents of the people who are listening than the people listening directly. But it's something, again, the insurance company will never tell you about. And there's a website you can find out about it, which is fundinglife.com. They basically put together buyers and sellers of life insurance policy. You would be the seller of the policy. And the people who buy it are hedge funds and banks and private investors. Say that guy that paid $400,000 for that million-dollar policy, when the person dies, they get a million dollars. So they more than double their money. They just don't know when it's going to be. I don't know, Jordan, if I love the idea of somebody just waiting for me to croak so they can uh, collect money on it. But well, I they mean, don't come and, and knock you off, typically. They don't are even you know sure? You oh, are. yeah, typically. That's the thing. That's a qualifier, <laughs> typically. That's what I want to know. How much information do they have about me that they, you know, I don't know, mess with that a little bit? It seems it, kind of scary. Uh, it's, it's never happened. Let's put it that way. I mean, in the, but I mean, in the meantime, that person's got 400000 right now sure. that they can use to pay off debts and invest and make a big difference in their lives. Otherwise, we're getting nothing from it. Well, this is a definitely probably a very, very good solution for maybe an elderly parent who needs to now enter a nursing Correct. home or needs in-house care, and the money is just not there to do it, but they've been paying $300 a month for the last 40 years on a life insurance policy or $100 a month or whatever it is, that this could now make a difference between their Correct. last years being a lot more comfortable versus stressing out about money and, and not having a good quality care. So it's I think an in asset that case, they have. Yeah. They don't even know they have. Yeah. <laughs> so benefiting from your own death benefit. Exactly. And now while you're still alive. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's a, it's a very interesting. And I almost want to go get my life insurance right now to have that, you know, in 30 years when I might need well, it. Well, the older you are and the sicker you are, the more money you're going to get. So if you're 85 and you've got 
terminal cancer, you'll get a big price because the buyers aren't going to have to wait very long, right? Okay. If you're 70 in good shape, you're not going to get as much money. The older you get, the, obviously, the more chance you have of dying and therefore the higher the price you're going to get for it. Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. Let's now talk about refinancing student loans. Perfect timing. This is the time of year where a lot of kids will start entering college in a couple of months and they're going to be taking on crazy loans to fund that university experience. And um, now I've always, I, I did do a story once with SoFi and they do these uh, refinancing yep. of student loans and they consolidate and stuff like that. But, you know, the question is, is if you have federal loans, they're pretty forgiving, uh, you know, when you pay them off. And I think that they'll like give you some time to find a job and all of these different protections are in place. But a lot of times people have a mix of federal and private loans, which in those private loans can get very high in interest. So right. talk about why somebody should and want to refinance and consolidate their student loans. Yeah, I would not use the word forgiving when I talk about federal loans. <laughs> now there's forbearance, which is a different right. thing, which means the interest keeps chugging along. You just don't have to make payments for like six months after you graduate. But the interest keeps piling up anyway. But you're right, private loans are much more expensive so if you do one of these consolidation services and refinancing, you can get typically in the 2 to 3% range. Now, I know SoFi, they're out there. My experience with SoFi is they want extremely high credit scores, 750 or higher, right. huge cash flow. You know, like they want doctors and lawyers who are wildly successful. Stanford graduates, Harvard well, graduates. Well, that's nice, yeah. but that's not <laughs> most people, okay? So the place that I recommend, which has been better, is called Credible.com, and then okay. just do backslash money answers. They have a platform of about five or six different lenders with different credit criteria that aren't so super high end uh, that the average person is able to qualify for something like that. Right. And so they'll combine your federal loans and your private loans into one. And again, two to three percent as opposed to four to six percent on the federal loans and eight to 10 percent or more on the private loans. Yes, you are giving up the forbearance and the other things of the federal loans. But if I get a lower interest rate, it'll help them pay them off quicker. And actually, if you give them that credible.com slash money answers, they'll give you 200 bucks off your first payment as well. So you get a okay. little get off to a good start there as well. So it's such a huge burden. The average person this year graduating has got about thirty nine thousand four hundred dollars. That's the average amount of debt. And a lot of people, 50, 100, 150,000 undergraduate graduate school, medical, hmm. law school, business school, 200, 300, 400,000 before they get their first jobs. Hmm. So it's just. This is the crisis of this generation, and I'm not making the loans disappear, but paying them off at 2 to 3% is a lot better than higher rates. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're saying that there are sites out there and there are companies out there that are willing to take you even if you don't have a perfect credit score and you aren't the first in your class from Harvard. Correct, which, which SoFi, they, that, that's the people they go for, which is great for them. See, the SoFi has hedge funds behind right. it. That's where they get their money. And the hedge funds don't want to lose any money, so... Right. They have super, super high credit criteria, which again is great for SoFi, but in my real life experience, the vast majority of people I've ever referred to them got rejected, and that's not a good feeling. Where it's credible, you have a choice of five or six different places. Some might accept you, some might not, but you have a much higher chance of actually getting it and making it happen. And where do they get their funding from? Credible is like a platform, mm -hmm. and the funders are credit unions and various other companies that are in the student loan uh, okay. refinancing space. So Credible itself doesn't make the loans, they're like a platform that provides the place for people to have choice of five or six different places. All right, great. Now you've given a lot of great information, a lot of really interesting tips, and I'm sure tips that many of us have not even heard about or thought about, or we've seen ads for, 
and felt a little sketchy about like, is this the real deal type of thing? So it's very good to know that you, with your expertise and your background, you actually stand by some of these tips. And I've vetted all these things. Absolutely. For years and years and years. Absolutely. Now, of all the things that you've been recommending, or maybe it's one you haven't mentioned yet, what would you say is just the number one tip that could really change somebody's life if they do it? Well, of the ones we talked about, clearly mortgage optimization, to save tens of thousands of dollars in interest and to pay your mortgage off in five to seven years instead of 30 years is going to make a huge difference in people's lives and gives them a sense of power that their money is working for them all the time. So we talked about a lot of things, but I think that's the one that's got the biggest impact that will probably help most of your listeners. Fantastic. Finally, what gets you charged up about being America's Money Answers Man? Well, I think you can see I love, I'm passionate about this yeah. stuff. I really like to help people. I like to provide resources that they did not know exist. I mean, just about everything we talked about today, and you're an expert in this field, you hadn't heard about before right. either, right? Right. So to offer resources, specific things with websites that actually help people really feels great. I mean, I've been doing this a long time at Money Magazine and doing call and radio shows and speeches to all kinds of groups to empower them. I mean, just look at what we've done in the last half hour or so. Yeah. We got them earning 8% of their money. We've got them paying their mortgage off in five years instead of 30 years. We got them to make sure their loan payments are accurate instead of way overinflated. We refinanced their car loans so they will not be visited by the repo man in the middle of the night. <laughs> we gave them hundreds of thousands of dollars on selling a life insurance policy that otherwise they would have let lapse. We refinanced their student loans to 2 to 3%. I mean, we've done a lot of good stuff in the last half hour. That really feels good. Yeah. to serve people and giving them resources they never even knew existed. Absolutely, absolutely. And I love when it's really new information that's just not as readily available. So Jordan Goodman, again, Master Your Debt. That's one of your books. Um, you also have the book, Everyone's Money Book. And you have a lot of great tips in there and charts and websites and phone numbers that people can call and exact steps they need to take to start enacting some of these tips. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your knowledge. Thanks so much, Jenny. Really appreciate it. And thank you for joining me for this episode of Charged Up. I'd love it if you could rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe so you're alerted as soon as a new episode is up. If you have questions you want me to answer on air, please send an email to chargedup at creditcards.com. To read the full transcript for each episode and access even more great financial information, head on over to creditcards.com. Until next time, get charged up about your financial future. (laughs) 